The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Happy Halloween. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbel. Numbers to get in today, 489-1240. 489-1240. You can also dial us up across the state wherever you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network. 1-800-825-5865. Email, if that works better for you, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And can always comment in the stream. You're welcome to watch the show if that works better for you. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Also, give the show Twitter handle a follow. Can follow Elijah. Do so at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal at Schmidt underscore radio for me. Again, Cornhead Lager, the perfect beer to enjoy while watching your favorite game purchases help support NIL through the 1890 initiative. Mitch Sherman going to be with us in about 15 minutes. Get Mitch's take on Nebraska-Michigan State. The Big Red in that three-game winning streak. How do they push it to four? Some of the pitfalls with Michigan State ahead in hour two. Jeremiah Searles. We'll get Searles' temperature on Nebraska. What's he think of East Lansing? Nebraska, Michigan State, the series, but also, you know, where can Nebraska maybe make some hay on Saturday? And then longtime insider with Michigan State and the Big Ten, dear friend Jack Ebling of The Drive and the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack has covered Michigan State for a number of years, put out a ton of books. He is uh, reigning sportscaster of the year, sports writer of the year. He's kind of the, the Bo Jackson of, uh, of sports talk and sports writing uh, for the friends in Michigan and at Michigan State. 489-1240. I am apparently Beanie Schmidt. Thank you, Brennan. It is cold, man. Uh, I got a I got to toughen up. I got to uh, grin and bear it. You got to man up, whatever you want to say. But the, the old 35 degrees and chill in the air, I am not ready for. And, uh, yeah, I, I need to uh, – the hair's not done today, so we're wearing the stocking hat, 489-1240. But, Elijah, are you, uh, are, are you going to hand out candy tonight? Are you going to just sick the dog on him? How are you going to go? I'm going to leave – the light off. I'm going to put a bowl of candy out. My wife hates people. I'm just going to be quite flat out honest with you. Uh, that includes me. So she'll put a bowl of probably black licorice or candy corn out. There'll be uh, copious amounts of eggs on our garage door, maybe window, but she may just leave that front door open and uh, let the German Shepherd scare the kids. We are surrounded by uh, three to, to seven-year-olds in the neighborhood, all three blocks. Uh, the police may be coming to our home just because our dogs sound way worse than they are. We're that neighbor. Forgive me. So um, we'll dive into all things Nebraska-Michigan State. Dabo Sweeney got lit up by Tyler from Spartanburg. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you heard it. 
But when you, you've seen that late night video when animals attack, well, when uh, when when coaches shows go wrong, uh, what happened last night? It was uh, pretty nuts. So Nebraska enters in four way tie for the West, and this is a a fair question. Right now, if you're ranking the the West teams, you have a four way tie. Wonderful. But where do you place Nebraska at in this West race? You tell me, hey, Nebraska's the top dog? Totally. I can hear that. I can listen to it. But why do you think Nebraska's the best in the West? Do you think Nebraska's the best in the West? If I've got to rank them, I'm going to probably go Wisconsin. As bad as Iowa's offense is, Iowa's still second. Then I go Minnesota. You can kind of interchange Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, Iowa uh, has lost to Minnesota. Minnesota has beaten Nebraska. Nebraska and Iowa don't get to rock and roll till Black Friday. And I don't see uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, they, they got beat by Iowa. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a round robin here. Where are you at with that? I think the, what, what, what frightens me is, uh, against a Wisconsin, and you saw it happen against Minnesota, where uh, I don't know that Nebraska survives this weekend, next weekend, or even Madtown if they have anything close to resembling the performance on offense turnover wise. They they won't they won't they will they may win one out of the next three if they don't clean up their turnovers. Uh, can they can they limit them? Right. And can they limit them? And can the defense keep out and do the same thing where it's minimized damage, where it's three points? It might be seven. Could have been 21 nothing Northwestern. It wasn't. It was three. It, it could have been uh, 21, 20, 24 to, to 21. Purdue's got a chance again to, to go put a drive together to end the game. Instead, Nebraska slams the door. Emmett Johnson does his work, but Nebraska played again with some fire, not to keep harping on it, but that's really critical for me. If Nebraska's, Nebraska's got defense to win the West. Absolutely agree with that. I think Nebraska's got a run game to win the West. I, I, I agree with that. Does Nebraska have the quarterback? Uh, don't know. I think the quarterback's better than what Iowa's got. I don't know that their quarterback's better than what Wisconsin's got, even though he's a backup. Uh, and then what what Minnesota has, Minnesota is going to probably end up at, at seven and five. Uh, they still have to go to Ohio State. They still have to play Wisconsin. So it's going to be a fascinating round robin. Can Nebraska's offense round into form where they're not as big a liability right now? And the answer could be yes. The answer could be no. Or maybe, right? You could get the dreaded maybe and not get an answer where it's week to week. But Saturday is going to go a long ways, not only to to Nebraska's uh, bold chances, but it's also going to go a long ways as to uh, if they're a contender or pretender in this West. By default, because the West is so cannibalistic, yeah, they're in it right now. They've only had a tough one uh, uh, against Minnesota in division. Nebraska can go toe-to-toe with everyone else in the division. They have, and they've won. They've, they've won three in a row. But some tests still loom, and a, a real wild card 
that we don't know if Michigan State's dangerous or if they're just done. We we don't know what Sparty is on Saturday. Well, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, are they that that animal that's been backed into a corner is gonna is gonna fight like their life depends on it, or are they an animal that already feels like it's been defeated after losing six straight? That's a question. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. But uh, another thing we need to find out, not only this Saturday, but as throughout the rest of the season, is, is something we've talked about pretty much for years now with Schmitty. Nebraska has had enough talent to win. Mm. Have they had enough talent to win the Big Ten West? No, not every single year. But they have had teams that were talented enough to go win the Big Ten West that didn't. Teams that were talented enough to win a hell of a lot more games than they did, but they end up going 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight or whatever the record is. 5-7. and seven. Seven. You've had eight win teams win three or four or five ball games. And what we were waiting for was, was something we said a lot, is, is this team needs to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Scott Frost even said it himself. We said it on this show. People called in and said it. Nebraska needs to learn how to win. That starts with beating the teams that you are supposed to beat. And for the most part this year, Nebraska has done that. When you look at Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue. Five games that Nebraska should win. And really look at Saturday with Michigan State. It's another game Nebraska should win. Your favorite. And it's not just Vegas. It's it's how each season has gone for each team. It's a game Nebraska should win. Nebraska can keep on their winning ways against Michigan State. I think they have proven, at least this year, that they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And what awaits you? Three games that are either toss-ups or games that you aren't supposed to win. When you look at Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And that's the next step in learning how to win. Can you, you take those more difficult teams? Not, not the games that you're expected to win, that you have a talent advantage in. Games that, you know what? The, the, the talent is pretty even, or you know what? We have them on one side of the ball, but they have us on the other side of the ball, and it's going to be a toss-up type game for that reason. Can Nebraska take that next step and begin winning those games? That's, that's really the next step to me, assuming Nebraska can go and take care of business against Michigan State. It's a big, big assumption. It's tough to go on the road despite what's going down with Michigan State this season. Tough to go win on the road. Tough to go win whenever you're losing eight of your offensive starters from the beginning of the year. It's going to be tough for Nebraska. Don't get me wrong, but Nebraska is at a point We've kind of seen it in the, uh, the the rewind series Nebraska puts up. They're getting more confident. They're feeling like they're going to win the games that they should win from pregame to halftime to postgame, what have you. They're starting to get that self-belief. Can that self-belief extend to a point where you can start winning the games that you need to go win if you want to go win a Big Ten West? Because beating Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue, yeah, you got to do it to go take down the West, but those aren't the games that test you in terms of are you going to go win the West. Those are the last two games of the season, really, with Wisconsin and Iowa, and I think you can throw Maryland in there too. Can Nebraska take that next step in learning how to win and, and start beating those teams in games where it really matters? That's where it starts, doesn't it, to get your peer programs? And the way Nebraska's played football the last few years, that is a peer program. Now, I know Purdue won the West last year, I know Illinois was the best team that didn't finish November the right way last year. And in Northwestern, before things blew up on them, they had been to two out of the last four Big Ten championship games. So Northwestern was a team that gave you gave you fits. No, no, no pun intended there. That went wrong. I'm sorry. That just came out. But Nebraska has been that all-off-the-bus team, man. And they just never put it together on the field. Nebraska's better, but still not clean. And that's that's my concern moving forward. When it comes to the West race, that's my concern for Saturday in East Lansing. Because Michigan State's talented enough, despite being 0-5 in the Big Ten. They had Rutgers. They had Iowa. 
All right? They've had their moments. They've got a dual-threat quarterback, Levitt, that might be a pain in the neck this Saturday. And, again, they could absolutely check out when so – they could be – a past version of Nebraska where there's some talent, there's some dudes, but when something goes wrong, they say, screw it, I'm out. And Nebraska can't keep them around, keep them engaged, keep hope and belief alive with Michigan State uh, by gift-wrapping great field position because of turnovers or not doing their job. I think the defense will keep doing their job. I like what I saw in the offensive line where they're going to be confident to do their job. I like what I saw from Emmett Johnson. And I saw some good out of Harburg, similar to Illinois, where he made some plays in the passing game. He's just got to uh, not get his bell rung. And I think they'll work with him this week on figuring out what the, the, the safe play is when he's running the, the football in that option game. But you talked about the learning how to win aspect. They've had a taste of it. You've had guys like Reimer and Ty Robinson and Newsom and Gifford, guys that have been a part of this program, Polar Bear, for a long time. Long time. And, and they've never won more than five games. Mm. And they have a chance to continue this win streak. And Rule came in and did this. This is how we're going to practice. This is why we're going to practice this way. And, oh, yeah, you were afraid of your own shadow against Michigan. We're going to practice Sunday night. So this team's learned how to practice. It's got them ready. It's got them ready for Saturdays from a tackling standpoint, from a physicality standpoint. But above all, he's tried to do everything in his power mentally to get these guys ready for those gut check, pucker, factor moments. And you've seen it. And they've they've responded. Defense has, defense has responded. The offense at times has responded uh, with with winning with a winning play with winning football. I mean, and there's your difference. There's been a moment in every single game where Nebraska could have puckered up and probably would have puckered up in years past, and they didn't. For, at least dating back to the Michigan game hmm. with Northwestern or sorry Illinois. It's the ninety or the drive down to the one yard line where your defense makes a stand. What does your offense do? They go drive down. They put three points on the board. You could have puckered. You could have been down 7 nothing. You could have gotten and shot yourself in the foot on that next drive. You have the ball in the shadow of your own goal you line, responded. which is ultimate danger time. You respond. You make a winning play. I mean, you look at this Purdue game this past weekend. It's the scoop-in score on fourth and one where, yeah, you probably should have punted. Now Purdue's right back in this football game. What does your offense do? It responds. A 15-play drive to go back down and get that touchdown right back mm-hmm. and take, was it six minutes off the clock? It was close to nine. Wow. Like, that's the type of moment I'm talking about. This Husker team has not puckered, and that's been a part of this team's process of learning how to win. Is in, in years past, they would have tightened up. Mistakes would have happened on the field. Somebody would have tried to do too much and made a big mistake. And guess what? It's a tie football game, and, and now everyone in Husker Nation is pouring themselves a glass of whiskey. That hasn't happened over the past You're pouring whiskey because it's a win now. And Yeah, you're pouring whiskey because it's a win. And there's going to be a moment, I can almost guarantee it, based on the way this team plays, there's going to be a moment in this game against Sparty on Saturday where everyone kind of holds their collective breath and goes, okay, can they do it again? Can they, can they battle whenever adversity strikes? No. I, I'd venture to say yes. They've proven it over three games. Michigan State's another game where you should be able to do that. Does the, the tune change whenever it becomes Wisconsin and Iowa and you realize, hey, we're two wins away from a Big Ten championship game? Does that change? I guess we're going to find out. But everything I've seen about this team shows they have that mental resiliency. They, they do. And, and teams right now, two teams in the East that are awful when it comes to adversity, Michigan State, they, they've had moments that, that have caused them to crumble this year when they've been in it or leading. And then Maryland. Yep. 
Maryland has gone to hell in a handbasket when things go sideways. Mm-hmm. All the talent in the world, but you punch them in the face, they eventually go into their shell. Ha. So Pun intended. Pun intended again. That's Fitz in that shell if you're counting and taking drinks at home. We'll talk to Mitch Sherman coming up. And, uh, yeah, Dabo loses it on a Clemson fan. Jack Ebling, Jeremiah Searles, next hour with Hale Varsity. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking big red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Gotta love it. It is Mitch Sherman time from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, I, I gotta ask you, Todd always emails in and, and calls me soft, so I'm gonna read this email, then I'm gonna ask you a question. Did I hear you're sporting a stocking cap? This is Todd to me. You're probably outside a total of two minutes all day, I bet. <laughs> so prissy. We knew that about you, though you thought we didn't. <laughs> gotta love you, Todd. Todd also has a arm wrestling um, stand. In his, in his garage and was going to come wrestle, arm wrestle uh, Elijah last week at the Herd Ad Sports Bar and Grill. Mitch, have you put a stocking hat on today or no? He has an arm wrestling stand in his garage? Yeah, he used to be on the pro circuit, I think, Todd. Listener oh. Todd. So I'm, I'm not going to call Todd out or, or shout back. I'm just going to say, yes, sir, I am a little prissy because I'm, I'm cold. I'm not used to mid-30s yet. I mean, you don't want to mess with professional arm wrestlers. Uh, I, I not wore a stocking cap today. Yesterday, I was outside at a ridiculous hour for an extended period of time. Because you were working out like at 4.30 or 5 a.m., yeah. aren't you? Yeah. yeah, and I did wear a stocking cap yesterday morning, but not today. Because much like how Todd has assessed the situation with you, <laughs> my outside time was limited to... Short, one to two minute walks from my car into warm buildings, and in those situations, I don't deem it necessary to wear a stocking cap. Fair enough. Fair enough. I have not been outside. But you should do it if you want to. I mean, I think that's there's no reason to criticize you for making that choice. I've worn stocking caps for about twelve years here. Well, I think stylistically it works. It's it's also like freaking 90 degrees in my little suite over here. I'm not mm. sure how you're feeling across the glass on I'm, your I'm, end, I'm cozy. It is absolutely brutal in here right now. There's no space <laughs> heater. So I, I couldn't pull out the stocking cap, but at some point this year I will, and it's not because it's cold inside. It's not because we're working outdoors. It's just because it's wintertime, and stylistically I can. It's it's about the, the outfit, really. You, can, you yeah. can pull it off. I can pull it off. Yeah, Thanks. I like it. I don't like the modesty there. You can, you just, yes, you can. <laughs> some people can't wear a stocking cap, but you can, Elijah. Elijah's going to wear a skull cap and some flannel, and, and you take him on. Uh, it's it, going to be one of those lumberjack-type games Saturday, Mitch. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan State and Nebraska. Uh, worry meter is what right now? Do you think... Is it always at least at five for this Nebraska team, or do you kind of consider the opponent a little more as we get deeper into the season? Michigan State's been reeling for a while. Five for the base, I think, unless it's uh, Louisiana Tech or Northern Illinois on the schedule, and then you maybe put the base down to like a three. But mm-hmm. in this situation, it's uh, it starts at five, and and I might then I might ramp it up to like a six. Uh, the, the worry meter. 
I mean, we didn't hear from Heinrich Harburg today. Not that we always hear from Heinrich Harburg on Tuesdays, but, you know, I, I just based on Matt Rule's comments on Monday and the condition that we saw Harburg in after the game on Saturday, you know, I think he's still licking his wounds a bit. Not to suggest at all that, that he won't be ready to play. I think he will be ready to play on Saturday morning in East Lansing, but he maybe not a hundred percent, you know, he might, he may be uh, still feeling some effects from a few of the hits that he sustained against Purdue. So it's uh, that ramps up the worry meter, maybe a one notch you're going on the road. Um, you know, Michigan state, I think you can look at them a couple of ways. You can look at them as a team that's Oh, and six and reeling, since the first two games of the year, since Mel Tucker was suspended and then and then later fired in, amidst the the losing streak, um, or you can kind of see them as like a wounded animal backed into a corner a little bit here. They're at home. Uh, this this uh, you know might be an opportunity for them to unleash a little bit and play some decent football. And all of these games in their six game losing streak have not been. Uh, mismatches. They've been ahead, as as Tony White, the Nebraska defensive coordinator, mentioned today. They've been ahead or, or close in several of these games going into the fourth quarter. So I don't really look at Nebraska and think that there's reason to believe that the Huskers are going to go and win this one by 17 or 20 points. I think it's going to be a close game, and, and those are always a little worrisome. Mitch, does it feel like Nebraska is on the other side of, of what other teams felt playing Nebraska over the past couple of years? When you look at Michigan State, their issues on special teams, they've had leads going into the fourth quarter and they find a way to lose. It kind of feels like that same Nebraska story that we've seen over the past couple of years. Is Nebraska finally on the other side of, you know what, get to the fourth quarter and let this other team go shoot themselves in the foot because they've shown that's what they do this year? Or is that too harsh on Michigan State? Well, that's been Michigan State for the last few weeks. But I'm not convinced that isn't still Nebraska in the right circumstance. Now, you're not going to play a spectacular fourth quarter every week. I mean, Georgia doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. They just happen to have so much more talent than everyone that they win 25 straight in two consecutive national championships. But not everybody. You don't get optimum performance every week. So let's not just assume because Nebraska's won a few games and, and they're on the cusp of bowl eligibility here that all of a sudden – you know, the problems from past seasons are completely gone, and, and you're never going to see a team that has a flat beginning or, or, or struggles to put a team away at the end. I think Nebraska is very much uh, subject to those kind, of, those kind of problems still in this early stage of growth under Matt Rule. But, yeah, Michigan State, the, kind of, the shoe's on the other foot. If there's a team that you'd expect going into this matchup to be one that's going to lose the game for itself, you know, invent a way to lose the game. I'd I look at Michigan State first, just based on the way that it's gone. I mean, six last last six games, one team's five and one, the other's zero and six. So you can kind of get a sense of what the mojo is like in the locker rooms before this thing kicks off on Saturday morning for both teams. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you follow him. And can check out uh, his podcast with uh, Bill Dolman, the uh, the Average Joe Sports Show. Pretty awesome stuff. I want to ask you about the quarterback situation with Harburg, and say he's not a hundred percent, or he struggles, or he just gets dinged. All right, where does Nebraska go after that? Do they look at Chuba? Do they look at Sims? Those are the two names. 
It's one of those two. I don't, <laughs> You're like, next two, question? <laughs> those are the two guys who are going to be on the trip. So it's not going to be Emmett Johnson. Uh, <laughs> no Wildcat? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Although maybe for a play if they need it. But it's not going to be Anthony Grant. I, I That's a great question. And, you know, I, I, I kind of asked this question today and – and writing some unfiltered thoughts as Nebraska goes into November for a, a piece on the athletic. And, and, you know, I suggested there, so I'll say it here, that it could be Chubba Purdy. That perhaps the Jeff Sims experiment has reached a place where Nebraska would not feel comfortable putting him into a close game. Now, a 24-6 to game like it did last week against Purdue, you're more comfortable. But you saw what happened there. It went from 24-6 to 24-14 without Purdue's offense needing to touch the ball in a very short period of time. So you, there comes a point where you, you just don't continue to do that to your to Sims, first of all, and then also just the rest of the team. Because when he's been in, generally unfortunate things have happened for Nebraska. It's not to say that Chubba Purdy is going to come out and produce something that is uh, that, that that's that's better. He, he's played hardly at all. What in one game this year? I think for a snap or two. So that's also a would be a difficult situation to put him in if 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 Harburg were to need to miss some time this Saturday. And if you ask Chubba Purdy to go in and, and take over, it's you know you don't want to put too much too much pressure on him. But I I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised, I'll put it that way, if they need a backup quarterback and we see we see Purdy going out there. Now, Mitch, whenever we're, we're talking about Harburg here, and you kind of alluded to this earlier in the interview, he didn't meet with the media today. As far as we know, he doesn't have a, a secret broken jaw, correct? <laughs> well, no. That's uh, I think those things are limited to a, to a, a previous era, and, and we <laughs> had that with Adrian Martinez. You know, we're talking about Michigan State this week. That was two years ago at Michigan State when – Martinez suffered the broken jaw, and then they hit it. And, and and you know that's now that's now just part of the part of the part of the record, part of the factual record is that Nebraska in 2021 hit that broken jaw for a good chunk of the season. I don't think, and it, it finally came out after the Ohio State game when when it was mentioned on air by the Fox broadcast, and, and Scott Frost then was forced into talking about it without without Adrian Martinez knowing that it was going to happen. So. It, we're opening some old wounds here. I don't think that's I don't that's that's dysfunction at its at its highest right there. Well, I shouldn't <laughs> say its highest. But that's dysfunction at a high level, and and it can always be higher. And that that's not. I don't I don't believe. I don't have any reason or any thought at all to be, that, that that's that we're we're dealing with something like that here. I mean, Heinrich looked okay after the game. He didn't look great, but I don't think he had his jaw wired shut. So uh, he's or. <laughs> He's he's in better shape, I would think, than what Martinez was a couple years ago after taking a an equally vicious hit. But that's that's uh, you know, that's not to downplay what he might be what he might be dealing with. I think that, that he's had some things to work through this week. I think the best way to figure out the extent of that injury is asking him: Is your pregame playlist does it feature "Through the Wire" by Kanye West? If so, <laughs> right, you never know. Mitch, sixty seconds. Your Big Ten West mosh pit. Give me your top three teams right now. Well, I'd put offensive coordinator lists or lame duck offensive coordinator Iowa at the top.
top right now. I think despite all the turmoil over there and heard more about that today from Kirk Ferentz, who doesn't sound like a happy camper about what happened with his, between his athletic director and his son-slash-offensive coordinator yesterday. Despite all that, I think Iowa's still the, the favorite looking at the schedule. I'd put Wisconsin, too. Uh, watching Wisconsin last week hang relatively close against Ohio State, that was uh, you know enough to make me think that they belong in the discussion among the top teams in the West. They're at three and two, and then Nebraska uh, right now. I'd probably put it third, and then that's mm-hmm. and that's saying something because Minnesota beat Nebraska. But hey, they won five out of six, and that's mm-hmm. that's really all you need to need in that argument. Mitch, we'll see you in East Lansing. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, good to talk to you guys. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman, with us. We didn't even get into him about uh, black licorice or candy corn. That's all right, though. We will hear from Dabo Sweeney. His press conference was today. His coach's show was yesterday. We'll get to your stream questions and comments. Promise you we'll do that next before we get to Dabo. But, uh, yeah, Dabo got lit up. And then he asked uh, what everyone was going as for Halloween. And uh, they said the caller from uh, from Clemson Radio. (laughs) And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And to get yourself a bottle or can today and enjoy a solid cocktail, beer. You can call it beer cocktail. Uh, Todd will correct me on that. But the point is, uh, drink it while you're watching your favorite team. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law when it comes to workers' compensation. Are you confused about the options you have with workers' compensation, that claim you have. Well, put your trust in the team at Dyer Law. Help ensure your rights are protected. They do that, and then some, and they'll get you the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or log on. Visit Dyer.Law. That's Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. Dyer Law Dyer.law, 402-393-7529. Elijah chimes in uh, when it comes to, to Cornhead Lager. Uh, Cornhead Lager sponsors killing me. The beer in Omaha, Lincoln, so much better than what they have here in Fort Worth. Elijah. He said it, not us. I know, and he's, and he's right. It's so much better. I wasn't uh, going to say. I wasn't going to go there. I didn't want to anger any Fort Worth listeners, but well, it's true. what happens is, is you either, you don't have to do your old Smokey and the Bandit run, now that I'm encouraging any illegal transportation, but just ask for it for the holidays. Have that Husker fan that lives here send you some down there, or just bring it with. I'll make a deal. I'll don't try. bootleg. Don't go to jail. I'll We're trade not telling you, you to do that. I'll trade you some cornhead for some yinling. Can't, still can't get the yinling in Nebraska, and the cornhead's fantastic. That's, that's the next beer I'd like to get up here. You can go down, down the down hall and get some yingling. Can you? I think you can. Oh. Yeah. Go go show me the stash spot. I didn't know we had a beer Well, stash I don't know where work. the stash spot is. <laughs> I just know that some may have traveled back from uh, the Great Lakes region from time to time. Well, and that actually gets me thinking now. What a great thing to give out on Halloween. Cornhead lager. Go get well, yourself I, some. Well, not to the kids, obviously. No. Not Well... <laughs> Not to the kids, obviously. No, not to the kids. Don't do it. Give it to the parents, though. The parents need a little, a little Halloween our, our, as well. Our dear friend Ozzy uh, did that the last time that the kids went trick or treating. This is back when they were in junior high and probably being little punks. Uh, the, uh, the 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 
the spot to go was Ozzy's house because he had a cooler outside for the parents. So you could just reach into the cooler and grab a cold one. See, I have a friend who got a keg. I didn't know you could get this in keg form. A keg of <clears throat> Fireball. No way. Yeah. I didn't know you could get it. Apparently, he's got a spot in Omaha that sells kegs of Fireball. And uh, that's his <laughs> Halloween plan is to have the little, the little keg outside. <clears throat> to, not, to not remember Halloween. <laughs> uh, Brandon checks in. The aptitude on the field, the heart and passion uh, off the field. That's why Nebraska will revenge the Michigan game in December. Brandon, I hope you're right for all Nebraska fans. We shall see. We asked about the pecking order in the Big Ten West right now as we enter into November. Brian is asking and and talking here. Wisconsin is a nose ahead of Iowa. Nebraska and Minnesota a close four. We need a little help and to hold on to the football. It's not that long ago that that Iowa won in Madison 15-6, to and it wasn't that close. They could have broke the 20-point barrier, honestly. They didn't. And then you will lose at home a week later to Minnesota. So is the Wisconsin win more impressive for Wisconsin? Uh, excuse me. Is the is the Iowa win in Wisconsin more impressive to you, or is the loss to Minnesota take something away? Minnesota is going to find a way to seven or eight wins this year, and you're going to go, "How the hell did that happen?" And you're going to go back to the opener and say, "Man, that could have been, should have been." It may come down to Nebraska and Minnesota. Um, Brandon also chimed in, Nebraska's playing fundamentally uh, smart football. Uh, They are on defense, and there's not as many penalties last game, which was nice. So that's good. Uh, Brennan says, here's a thought. If slash we get to win six this weekend, do the floodgates open and we play with that giant monkey off our back, or do we get uh, complacent? thinking we met our goal i don't think this team is seeing six as the finish line i don't think this team is seeing six at all no i don't think Matt i think Rule they are right now give, still in that one one and oh each week I, I don't think they are looking at a bowl game as being a success this year and therefore i don't think they are thinking of six as being any sort of special number at all brandon says michigan state's on quit watch Brian says too many turnovers. You guys are not wrong. But if, and it's an if, and it's a hypothetical, I don't think we'll see it based on what we've seen from Nebraska this year. If you eliminate the turnovers from Nebraska, are they not the most impressive team in the Big Ten West based on what they've done since that Michigan that's, game? That's a big if. It's a big yes. if, and I don't think you're ever going to eliminate that from this team because defense, you are what you are. Their defense is so, they're playing so well right now, Elijah. I think that despite the turnovers, so you can look at it two ways damn, they're turnover-prone, or they've been able to overcome. And it's there's something to be said for that as well. Because uh, it, it should have burnt and it should, should have beaten them in a couple of instances. Montana Husker fan, curious if anyone noticed how serious Rule has seemed uh, in his pressers since the win over at Purdue Saturday. I think our old boy Sharpie nailed it. Uh, with the weekend edition last Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon with just how intense he's been in practice. I think he's the same dude, but I think he I think he can get on him. And I think he knows what guys he can coach hard or I don't want to say I don't think Matt Rule ever tiptoes, but I think he knows how to talk to the guys. 
Let's turn my mic on yet again. It's been the second time this week. I forgot to turn my mic on. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to go to the drawing board, hit the practice field. you got to practice like I play, you know, you know, Schmitty. But uh, with, with Rule, that intensity, like, I think that's kind of the evidence we were just talking about of, of this team not being focused on six. It's because the head man isn't focused on six. The, the fact is, is, is as he gets closer to six and they get closer to a Big Ten West berth, he's getting more intense with it. The performance is getting better, but Matt Rule is still getting more intense from what we've seen in the rewind and what we've heard from him at pressers and what it looks like on the sideline. Six isn't his goal. His goal, he might not say it. If you finish with his, six, his you're probably disappointed yeah. as a Nebraska fan. Mm-hmm. Right now, as we can revise, who's with us? Uh, Paul's on the line. Paul, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, we got four games left, and we've intentionally sat uh, on some of our true freshmen just so that we don't burn the red shirt. Now that they can play all of the final four games, do we think we're going to see improvements in certain positions, especially the offensive line? I don't think they're going to go to any of the freshmen uh, unless break in case of emergency, right? Or, I, or spot duty, you have the one play for sure. the two play or, or they get in on a series, but I don't think they're going to take a majority of snaps. But I, I, you're not wrong, Paul. They'll, they'll give the guys a, a chance to, to get their feet wet. It's got to be the right situation for them. Sure. I'm just looking at some of the disasters that's been the offensive line, and now we've got three starters out. Well, maybe we can uh, shore up and or get some more extensive experience even in contested uh, games. No, I mean, they they got to be ready. they got to practice. And I think uh, the guys that, that played last week, they, they got a confidence boost with – how that O-line performed, I think they did well. And I, we'll have to ask Searles about this next hour. Yeah. I also thought the offensive line performed well despite being down three stars. But Searles is an expert. I will get his take on sure. the next hour. Paul, yeah, you saw the wideouts, though. They stepped up. Appreciate the phone call. The young wideouts have all made plays the last two weeks, Elijah. That's big. You saw a nice catch by Doss. You saw a big home run hit by Lloyd. And then, of course, Malachi against Northwestern. If you're on the phone, hang there. We'll get to you before we say goodbye for Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jeremiah Searles coming up. Jack Ebling, Spartan Insider. We'll get his take next hour. More of your thoughts here. 800-825-5865 as Dave in Geneva checks in. Dave, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. You know, uh, Coach talked about how, you know, one more win. We only want one more. Uh, it makes me think of the movie Made League, and you know, like Wesley Snipes. I've got, you know, we've got four more gloves that we can hang up after we steal a base. We've got so many things we can take off of uh, a picture of uh, the cardboard know, cutout or somebody. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there's still plenty to play for. It's not like we just need that one game. And I appreciate Coach Rule going one game at a time, one game at a time. Because let's face it, that's what we all do in our daily lives, one day at a time. Dave, he's got them hopefully kind of zeroed in on the here and now, and you get in trouble uh, in college football. You want to be a consistent team that shows up the same team every Saturday. That's the trick, and it doesn't happen every Saturday. I mean, just look at Washington. They got scared. They got scared yeah, last Saturday, about, you know, two Saturdays ago. And Coach Rule kind of Coach Rule kind of brought that up with the one hundred dollar analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, we expect there there's an expectation, there's a standard, and I and I think the guys have kind of bought into that. And I, I actually 
I hate to say it, but I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Go Big Red. It's <laughs> all right, Dave. Thanks for listening down in Geneva. Appreciate you. The late, great Roger Dodson from uh, Geneva and uh, also the incredible Withers family, uh, family friends. So, yeah, uh, no, I mean, he's he's got to have them playing and, and acting like grown-ups. And you, you got to do it every day. You got to do it every Saturday. And he'll... Let them know if they don't. Um, speaking of grown-ups, Brian is a grown-up. He has been working on fence, he tells me, since 1030 uh, out on his uh, ranch. And it's definitely nicer now than than uh, that wind uh, walking out the door at 7. I'm just a big girl. <laughs> all this because I'm wearing a stocking hat. It's all right. I can take it. Um, I will weep when the camera's off. It's fine. Todd. That's honestly offensive towards women. Hearing you, you're just a big girl. I've seen girls that are tougher than you. There are women that are tough, yes. Oh, plenty of Comple- them. Completely. Plenty of them tougher than you, that's yeah. for sure. Don't insult the, uh, <laughs> the, the wonderful women out there. No. Com- comparing them to me. Todd d- does want us to, to correct what's in his garage. It's called a arm wrestling table, not a stand. So, so the point is, is if I ever get into a bar fight, I'm calling Todd and I'm calling Brian. I won't get into a bar fight. But maybe at a bar arm wrestling match? That, will, that's will, whenever will, Todd will, no, I will, can come to the rescue. No, I, I, will, I need both of my listeners here to, to stand up for me because clearly I, I am not tough enough. Now, here's, here's the honest truth. And our old dear friend, Mike Leach, told this story to us. And we asked him one time why... Why do you, you know, we're not picking on you, Coach, but because he he go to bed at 3 or 4 in the morning and then get up and we catch him walking to practice. And he's like, well, I had a paper route as a kid and my, my hands would bleed because it was Cody Wyoming. And, yeah, I was like, well, I had a paper route too, Coach, but I just had to walk a block. I didn't have to hammer all of the rural and inner city areas of Cody Wyoming. Uh, so I froze as a youth. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I'm still cold. Hour two, Searles checks in on Hale Varsity. Jack Ebling will be with us as well. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We welcome in our favorite Husker offensive lineman, longtime NFLer, uh, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, it is Sparty Week. How are we doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. It's Halloween. You know, it's one of those things where it's uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold, but the kids are going to want to go. So you got to muster up, adapt, and overcome. Uh, you know, just go out there and start stealing some candy from some kids. I see. And uh, are you going as Big Werewolf? Are you dressed up as uh, kind of a, uh, a throwback hunter look to uh, to take pillowcases of candy? You have three little ones. Mm-hmm. So what are they going as? So Oliver wanted to be a knight. So he's a knight. Aylin is a princess. Okay. Graham, uh, our youngest, our seven-month-old, is going to be a dragon. And then he wanted mommy and daddy to be kings and queens. So okay. I am the king, and 
Emma is the queen. I would like to go as a hunter because that means I could wear all my warm crap and be warm. But looks like I'm going to have Emma got me this like scepter. But as she handed it to me, she goes, man, it looks a lot looks a lot bigger when normal people are handing it. So I have a little baby, tiny, like two foot scepter that I get to carry around tonight. Well, well, well tell me about the, the, the king outfit aside from the scepter. Is it a Game of Thrones-esque? Yeah, is say, it fairy tale-esque? What type of king are we talking? It's a great question. Haven't seen it yet. Emma ordered it and she'll pin it on me when it's time to leave. I guess that's none of your business, huh? Yeah, yeah. None of your yeah. business. So I, I would think based on the, the fandom level of Game of Thrones, Searles, I mean, what what Game of Thrones character would you go as? The Mountain. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have set me up for you. I mean, it's just be able to pop somebody's eyeballs out. Okay, so head. that'd be awesome. So you're gonna go my no no hound, huh? No, not the hound. I don't want to get burned alive. That's no fun. Yeah, I'll I have an older of, brother just hold me over the edge. I mean, yeah. Everyone else in that show, like besides those two guys, like everyone else is pretty messed up. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, I mean. <laughs> Or dead, yeah. you know, spoilers. Uh, you know, it's more along the lines of, like, they're actually really cool and you fell in love with them and then... Yeah, no, I know the the, the last scene. I get it. Um, you could have gone with... You got the Jon Snow beard going. Yeah, he's a good one, but I don't feel like getting stabbed and mutinied by my friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he didn't really die. He just and went to sleep for a while. The dead. Yeah, yeah he, there we go. Close. Spoilers, spoilers. Cat, cat yeah, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> I'm the last guy in the world that was going to get into Game of Thrones. And then Searle's <laughs> like, dude, you got to check it out. You got to check it hey. out. So I'm going to tell you for months co- COVID that. hit, COVID hit, mm-hmm. and I had a week. So I, yeah. I did. So there we go. I used to rewatch it after every offseason okay. in the NFL. I'd come back, start fresh, <laughs> watch it all the way through. And now it's a it's a game of Thrones tribute for the Searles family Halloween escapade. Mm-hmm. I like it. Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, how about this Michigan State-Nebraska series? Just going through some of the past showdowns. I mean, the Jamal Turner touchdown in 2012 you were on that two-minute drive to win it looked bleak especially with the pick inside the red zone and nebraska comes back all the way to win that was a really good 2013 team for sparty that outlasted nebraska 2015 was nuts the only loss of a playoff team for d'antonio with riley's catch uh, Demone Pearsonell, his return magic in 2014, and even 2021, where Nebraska had that thing, and then you had the the fake punt sort of look or the deke by Sparty, and they get the punt return with about three minutes left in 2021 and win in overtime. What chapter is Saturday going to be like? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a very similar game. You know, I think on paper you look at it and you might say Michigan State on defense has a little bit more talent. But from the way that this Husker football team is playing together and the way that they're coming together and playing complementary football, you know, obviously we got to get the turnovers cleaned up. That's something that when you play teams that are more talented than Purdue or Northwestern, I'll put it that way, they will make you pay. They find ways to make you pay, and they find ways to take advantage of those turnovers. You know, Michigan State, I'm not going to say is head and shoulders above Northwestern, Illinois, or Purdue, but I do think they have some more playmakers on the edge that could make things happen. So taking care of the football is going to be a big part of this, but, you know, Nebraska is not good enough to overlook anyone, regardless if we've won three in a row or not. And every time you start putting a win streak together, the next game just becomes that much more important. The pressure kind of shifts over onto the winning team. And, you know, Michigan State has basically no pressure on them at all. They're just trying to come out there and survive, and they've been fighting in every game they've been in. I think this is going to be a really good football game. 
It's Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio as we talk Nebraska-Michigan State, what Sparty brings and uh, what the Huskers face on Saturday. And Searles, whenever you look at the offensive line, you knew I had to go there, you being the offensive line guy. That was the big talking point in Nebraska last week. What was this offensive line going to look like against Purdue? And now we get to this week, and offensive lines moved to the back burner. It wasn't a, a loud performance from the offensive line in either way. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. And I think that's all you can ask for. They weren't the ones that you were talking about following the game. And I think sometimes with offensive linemen, that is your goal within a game. I want to get your thoughts on what that offensive line showed you on Saturday and what they need to get done on Saturday against Sparty. Yeah, you know, I thought for having three new starters along the front, first of all, I think Ben Scott played one of his best games as a, as a Cornhusker. You know, and you need your center when you've got two new starting guards to really step up in a big way, making sure everyone's on the same page. Not a lot of communication errors. You know, but you look across the board, Dutovsky, Evans Jenkins, Teddy Prohaska, I thought all those guys played very well for being their first, like, true week of being the starter, moving into starting. And, you know, a lot of those guys, I mean, Evan Jenkins being a first-time starting and so I thought they did a really nice job. They really did a nice job. I mean, Emmett Johnson averaged almost six yards a carry. So they did a good job on first and second down, continuing to be efficient in the run game and then putting themselves in third manageable so we weren't getting ourselves in a drop back game. You know, but going on the road, and it's something not everyone's going to talk about, but going on the road with a new offensive line brings a whole nother realm of challenges, first starting with the snap count, right? When you're at home, you control the snap count. It's a verbal snap count. Now you got to understand the timing of the head bob. You have to understand the clap or the leg lift or whatever it may be and making sure you don't drop off sides, but also making sure you're not laid off the ball with the timing. You know, all that stuff comes into comes into play when you go on the road. And, you know, this is a group that's never been on the road together. So communication needs to be streamlined because it's going to be loud. I mean, it's not going to be super hostile, I don't think, but it will be loud. Understanding communication, getting the play call, getting the calls all put together. That's going to be something I'll keep a pretty close eye on early in this game to see just the kind of the communication that's going along up front. When you look at a game plan, Nebraska wants to be a physical run team. And they've relied a lot on Harburg to be that runner. Uh, I like Elijah's point about Emmett Johnson and your point about his, his yards per carry. I mean, Emmett showed some things in that fourth quarter after yet another turnover and situation that went awry. Nebraska finally kind of hunkered down when I formation bled the clock and, and got a you know big ripoff touchdown run. What can Emmett do? Do you see him kind of ascending with this opportunity? Can he be a difference Saturday in conjunction with that offensive line? Yeah, I think he's going to have to be. I know. I think Harburg only threw the ball 12 times against Purdue, and that needs to be the game plan. If we want to win and be effective on offense, Harburg needs to throw between probably 18 and 23 times max would be kind of the, the cap I'd like to put on him. But then that falls a lot onto the running backs, and it falls a lot on – I mean, Adrian Martinez said it best on Big Red Wrap-Up a few nights ago, your quarterback can't be your lead carrier. You just can't, you know, it's not a sustainable way for to have an offense because your quarterback is going to get dinged at one point if they run the football the way they do. And I love Harburg. I love the aggressiveness in which he runs the football, but someone teach him to slide. It's okay. No one's going to boo you out of the stadium when you're going to slide. Right. And understand when to take on the physical. You got a safety, you got a corner. Yeah. Run that dude over. But if you've got a 255 pound middle linebacker hunting you down, go down. It's Okay live to fight another day right and I think that'll clean up with some of the fumble issues that he has because I do think he likes to try and finish runs so powerfully 
know, sometimes you're leaning in that and that ball can sneak away from the chest a little bit or, you know, it gets a little loose instead of understanding, hey, my number one priority is taking care of this football and gaining yards and getting down and staying healthy. But Emma Johnson needs to be the lead carry back. You know, Grant has time and time again had his opportunities, but again, fumbles have become an issue. And I think Emma Johnson has the highest ceiling in this running back room right now. And I'd like to just see him continue to gain confidence, gaining timing with that offensive line and just earning more trust. So as you talk about Heinrich Harburg getting down, and I'm going to get your thoughts. Josh Allen's a guy you played with, you watch a lot. Whenever he's got a linebacker bearing down on him, you ever see him do that weird hurdle thing that he does where he kind of hops in the air? Is that something Heinrich Harburg should put in the bag? Absolutely not. Go down. <laughs> no, that's asking for trouble. And Josh has gotten caught a few times this year trying to do it and getting lifted up in the air. And you can hear all of Collective Bills Mafia go, <laughs> right? I mean, and I think that's somewhat similar now when Harburg's running the football too is, you know, he's... <laughs> and then when he ran in the fourth quarter and he had two hands on, he looked like a peewee football player because he's like, I will not fumble. And he wasn't even moving his arms. It's like, okay, we need to find the happy medium here. But I think a lot of that can just get taken care of, of not taking unnecessary shots when you don't have to. Are you surprised at, at how this year's flipped or, or going? I mean, Nebraska still has a lot of work to do, but this is something that hasn't happened since 2016 when it comes to uh, the October run. And and beyond. I mean, you had to go back to 2021. They, they've not beaten the best teams, but they've beaten teams that they haven't beaten in a while. So are, are you surprised that Nebraska has been able to turn a bit of a corner and overcome some things that may have beaten them in the past? Yeah, you know, a lot of that, I think, goes to just not making some bonehead mistakes. You know, thinking back to some of the games we lost under the Scott Frost era, the face masks and the 15-yard penalties and some of those things that would rear their ugly heads in the fourth quarter especially we haven't seen those now we've still seen the turnovers but the biggest difference is Tony White and Tony White's ability to have this defense not allow a team like Northwestern when we turn the ball over three times in the first quarter to not be up 21 nothing mm-hmm. right and that has been the issue with Nebraska in the past is we've had the turnover issues but then the other teams have capitalized on that and we found ourselves in a hole and especially with this offense, we're not built to come back two scores, right? That's not what this team is built. This team's built to keep it within one score, keep it close, and then grind it out in the fourth quarter with some physical run plays. And, you know, I think a lot of that is just people understanding situational football, Coach Rule coaching situational football, not allowing things like that to go on in the practice field, not allowing those type of things. And I think the team's really buying into that type of stuff. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, do you have an explanation for the why? Why, why are the fumbles happening i don't unfortunately yeah i know that i've been a part of teams where fumbles have become an, fumbles were an issue and it almost becomes a thing where all you can think about is don't fumble mm-hmm. and as anyone who's ever done anything if all you can think about is not doing something right it's like i will not eat that cookie i will not eat that cookie <laughs> like and then eventually what do you do you eat the cookie Right. And so there's a part of me that thinks that this team, it's been harped on now, not just by the coaches, but now it's all over the media. And guess what? Every other team knows it. And I don't know about you, but when I watch this team, I see a lot of defensive people ripping at that football. Right. It's part of this team's DNA right now. And that is something where if you're a defensive coach and you're playing the Huskers, the first thing you say when you come in on Monday and Tuesday is you put up that turnover differential. and You say, boys, this team gives up the football. Go for it. Right. So I think it's a combination of all those things of hyper aware of it on our side, other teams also being aware of it. And so putting more of a point of emphasis on it and then just kind of collectively, we're just the ball's not bouncing our way and we're not taking care of it. 
See, Cyril's with that, that hyper fixation, if you will. It's funny because every single day I get on the radio and I say, I will not cuss on the radio. I will not cuss on the radio. And I still haven't cussed on the radio. So maybe I'm just the outlier here, the exception. Sometimes it does work. It's kind of like a fumble. But if if I walked in there and I punched you in the teeth, (laughs) would you cuss on the radio? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, See, and so that's the part of it. You can think all you want about not doing something, but when there becomes an external factor that then becomes involved that is no longer within your control, sometimes it now becomes I cussed on the radio because Searles has my arm in a pinhole. See, that's a great point. That's what I didn't think of. And you may cuss, we just may not understand it. Right, if he punches you in the face, I mean, he could yeah. have a, a, I mean, might be eaten out of a straw, but for a little bit. Searles, uh-huh. I like that. I mean, uh, the old uh, threat and violence, a little Wookie uh, yeah. type uh, type treatment. Because there. also, before you move on, think about it. when I threatened that I would come in there and punch you in the face. What happened? A little tense, a little shiver, a little thought. Uh-huh. So then, then like that's the same thing with running the football, right? You run the football and you're thinking, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble, and then it's like oh, man, I got to go take this hit. And then you kind of forget all of a sudden about not fumbling. And so you think about taking the hit, and then the ball security comes, and that other team's thinking, rip the ball out, and then the ball pops out, right? That's kind of how it all starts to swirl and snowball on you. Hmm. Now, with the experience you had, because your teams sometimes put the ball on the ground. Oh, yeah. And you had good defenses that responded, but they couldn't do it every time. Was it extra chippy? Were they pissed at you in practice? Did you ever scream at a teammate, or was there a concerted effort to uh, to friendly, friendly remind that guy, quit fumbling the football, or is it just a stupid question? Not during the game. I think it's never, it's never a good time to come after someone for fumbling during a game because emotions are high. Blood is boiling, right? No one's, you're going to say things you regret. Mm-hmm. But there, there definitely was times where behind closed doors, Monday, Tuesday during the week, you know, you come into a meeting room and as a leader of the team, you know, you sit down and go like, hey, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to. Like, you know, this is unacceptable, right? And Coach Boa has had a saying, you know, ball security is job security. And Coach Rule is sat by that fact very well. Like, people fumble. We don't see them very often again for a while, right? They get to earn the right to come back and carry the football. Carrying the football is a, is a privilege, mm-hmm. right? It's a privilege to carry the football. You hold the hopes and the dreams of the entire team in that ball in your hands. And if you fumble the ball, you're screwing your brothers. You're screwing your other guys out there, and you will be held accountable for it. And I think that that's the path that it takes. That's the path that's always been on all the teams that I've been on. But, you know, if it gets to a point where – when we fumble as much as we have been, sometimes emotions do run high and people will say things on the sideline and it, it can get a little ugly. So, Rose, last thought here, a podcast exclusive question for you. With Nebraska being uh, in a four-way tie for first in the Big Ten West, how do you put that out of your your your, your mind as you go out there and, and step in between the white lines? Is that something you want to be thinking about throughout the week? Is that something you don't want to think about at all? What is the balance there? Yeah, you know, that goes back kind of to the point I had earlier about how every win becomes that much more important. And, you know, it's not one of those things that you can just put out of your mind. It's there. But it's okay if it's a goal. Now, if it's pressure, that's where it can start to unravel you a little bit. But if you set out it with a goal of, hey, I'm going 1-0 this week in order to give myself an opportunity to put ourselves in a position to win the West, that's a goal. But if you're going out there going, man, if we don't win this, then we're out of West contention. We have to win this game or else it's all over. That becomes pressure, and that can create anxiety, and that can start to unravel you a little bit as a player. And that comes down to the coaches understanding how to say that in the right way, how to leaders on that team. But it also comes back to this football team specifically learning how to handle winning. 
know, I have a, Coach Zimmer had a saying, and I'm pretty sure I've said on the show before, you know, there, there's a roadmap to becoming a champion, right? First, you have to learn how to practice. Then you have to learn how to win. Then you have to learn how to handle winning. And then you can become a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're on the right steps here. Practice has started going well. We've started winning some football games. But how you handle winning is equally important to winning the football game, how you prepare every single week. Because that then gives you the opportunity to continue to win more games. And that's how you eventually become a champion. Charles, you have a fateful choice, black licorice or candy corn. You have to give one out. Which is it? Oh, candy corn. Black licorice is disgusting. Okay. So you're, you're team candy corn. I'm team candy corn all the live long day. If those are my only two options, now I'd rather have a Reese's or a Snickers or something with some gooey, gooey chocolate in it. But if I have to go candy corn and licorice, sign me up for the candy corn sticky teeth any day of the week. All right. Searles, be good. Enjoy uh, trick-or-treating tonight. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go Big Red. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? We're not pointing you yet. On Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's head up to East Lansing and talk to Mr. Spartan, a longtime veteran of the Big Ten. We say hi to Jack Ebling, host of The Drive. You can find Jack on Twitter, The Drive with Jack. Jack, excited to get up to East Lansing. Do you have the steakhouses picked out, my friend? Everything's all set. Uh, welcome, Matt is out. I just want to know what kind of salad dressing you like. Uh, Dorothy Lynch. <laughs> Jack is like, huh? she'll be there too. Yeah, okay, she'll be there too. I love it. Oh, what a what a ball game! Going to be Big Ten weather. Looks like a little rain, a little wind, and some chill in the air. Is that about right? Uh, yeah, it's actually snow flurries here today. Was seventy three degrees a week ago. And uh, you wouldn't know it, but hey, uh, Nebraska's warming up. Michigan State is uh, bone cold right now, so uh, maybe the Cornhuskers are going to play themselves into the uh, Big Ten championship game. Who knows? We're, we're kind of smiling about that. Two weeks ago, we were hoping to get to the oil change bowl or whatever it was called, and now we're thinking maybe uh, maybe a little Phoenix could work, but... Why not dream dream big, as John Cook says? What's the morale like right now, Jack, for Michigan State? They've had a, a tough go of it, haven't won since yeah. week two. Yeah, and uh, the guys are actually hanging in there. I thought there'd be a mass exodus. That hasn't happened. Uh, they've had more than their fair share of injuries, but that's not an excuse. Uh, they have some of the most brain-dead special teams play you will ever see, and it's cost them uh, two games, uh, the Iowa game and the Rutgers game, that clearly turned on three special team gaps. But uh, the offense is one of the worst in the country, and uh, defense is getting gashed, so that's a bad combination, Chris. Jack Ebling with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, host of The Drive with Spotlight Radio, The Drive with Jack, at Drive with Jack on Twitter, uh, longtime columnist, radio man in East Lansing. I want to kind of get your, your take here on some, some of the dangers with this Michigan State. We were talking with Coach McBride yesterday, and he keeps his – Eyes certainly on Nebraska, but he also has a lot of friends for a lot of years at Michigan State. So that's a program he he follows. And 
He's scared, man. He's scared of the, the ball game. He's scared of how dangerous Michigan State can be. And I'm interested to get your feel on offense. Where where do the Spartans perform best? Is their old line talented? Is it their running game? The wideouts? Where where could they sting this Oscar team? Can I say none of the above? You you and can I'm certainly go when you say he's scared. Does he scare easily? No, he's he's about as I mean he he scares uh, he he scares most people or players. If we just go down the list, I mean he's got that part of him in a loving way, of course. But uh, no, he doesn't scare easy. <laughs> no, well, I don't know what Michigan State team he's been watching. He may have gotten some uh, tape of the 2021 team. You should tell him this is 23, and if he looks at this team, he will not be scared. Why is that, in your opinion? The, the, the coaching staff, uh, especially defensive coordinator Tony White, whenever he spoke at his press conference today, was quite complimentary of the skill position guys that Michigan State has. And he said uh, yeah. their, their quarterback situation is a bit of a question mark, but they're figuring that out. Tell me why you don't think Michigan State threatens this Husker team. Well, uh, the offensive line has been erratic at best. This team uh, can easily commit 10 or 11 penalties in a game. Uh, They're on quarterback three. Quarterback one, who uh, people either loved him or or couldn't stand him, was actually doing a pretty good job until he got cremated on the third play of the Washington game. And then he was a shell of his former self. Uh, Then you had quarterback two, and uh, he was a four-star. Everyone wanted him until he got in the game. Now they're on quarterback three, who does add a little panache uh, to the offense. I don't know whether he's going to be good enough to really make a difference. They have a good running back. Nate Carter is a good Big Ten running back, but he has some really good two-yard runs. And so the offense, you know, last week they got two takeaways, gifts early in that game at Minnesota. And, of course, three and out, they have to kick field goals. They made the field goals, but instead of being up 14 nothing, they're up 6 nothing, And that was basically it for most of the game. And then, meanwhile, the other team chips away, chips away, wears Michigan State down, and, and then the special teams kick in, and it's game over. I, Jack, I've watched some, some Nebraska games like that over the past couple of years. You've watched a lot familiar. of Nebraska games yeah. like that, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe these teams have changed identities. I don't, I don't know. I was going to say that if Nebraska can stay on this tear and get to Indianapolis and play Michigan again, maybe Nebraska can change its signal. <laughs> we're, we're going there in a minute. I got to get your, your take on Harbaugh and Michigan uh, shortly. But uh, so do you expect Sam Levitt uh, leave it to get the, the nod, or is it going to be Hauser, or do you know what quarterback? I don't know. Harlan Barnett said that it was going to be an open competition, which is a good thing for coaches to say, even if they don't believe it. Uh, there was a noticeable difference when Levitt came in the game, and most people think that he would have been the starting quarterback had he gotten there in January. Mm. But when you get there after the school year ends, it's very difficult for any freshman to come in, and you know, eight weeks later you've got, uh, you know, you're in the midst of, of preparation for a game, and they say, hey, guess what? You're the, you're the quarterback. So I don't see that 
um, being an automatic, but he may be good enough and they may be desperate enough to say, you know, what the heck, we're going to give this kid a shot at the start of the game. He never started a game. He never played in the first half of a game. But we'll see what happens. He can run a little bit. Uh, he's very confident. Very confident. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of a uh, football Scott Skiles. Yeah. That All right. Makes any sense to you. Uh, yeah. The old point guard with the uh, Sparty and then yeah. the Orlando Magic. Yeah. A little before yeah, yeah. my time, maybe. A little bit like a uh, maybe a poor man's Dylan Gabriel. Okay. Okay. Now I'm following, Jack. And, and whenever you talk about that, that dual threat ability, poor man's Dylan Gabriel, that's what's kind of stung Nebraska this year, the defense. They've done well against pocket passers, but whenever they get a dual threat quarterback, they seem to have struggled at times. And I, I believe, trying to remember off the top of my head here, I believe he was the leading rusher for the team against Minnesota. So tell me about that dual threat ability, what he can do with his legs and, and how that might be able to scare Nebraska. Cause they've really had a tough time keeping those, those dual threat guys in the pocket and keeping them from hurting them. Yeah. Well, for Michigan State, one of the problems they have is that they don't have a number one receiver. Well, they do, but he's playing for Florida state, uh, Keon Coleman. Yeah. So, um, they have, um, uh, maybe, Five number three receivers. And, uh, you know, they're, I guess they're all good enough to get on the field. You just wouldn't want to really rely on them heavily. And with what Levitt does, some of it is running out of fear. Some of it is thinking that, uh, you know, he, no one can tackle him. So, uh, and I think he kind of caught Minnesota by surprise, too. He won't catch Nebraska uh, that way, so... Uh, I don't think Nebraska has a whole lot to worry about. Uh, Nebraska's a three-point favorite the last time I looked, which seems small to me. And I suppose Nebraska's capable of beating itself, but uh, I don't see Michigan State putting a, a beat down on the Cornhuskers. Jack Ebling with us, host of The Drive, longtime Michigan State uh, and a Big Ten radio and print personality. And uh, Jack, defensively, what do you think of this Spartan defense, strengths, and what's their liability? Well, their liability is they have to go on the field. Uh, <laughs> they lost six in a row, and, you know, they look good in warm-ups. But uh, once they get out there, uh, you know, they'll, they'll play good for a series, and then they'll do something stupid. Uh, the thing that drives fans absolutely fruity is their propensity on third down to get a big stop and then have a personal foul. Uh-huh. I cannot tell you how many times they've done this, which to me uh, reflects discipline, coaching, and Alan Barnett really is in a, in a rough place. But in terms of uh, being focused, there isn't a lot of that. And in Michigan State's case, they're going to need all that they can get. Nebraska's been pleasant when it comes to handing the football over, either with some interceptions, some fumbles, or some special teams fumbles. Now, they're, they're, they're way better than they've been in a long time, but you're going on three games where the, the old zebra hasn't changed its stripes with uh, what, what has 
been catastrophic catastrophic moments in in a game that has turned to tide against Nebraska. They've survived those this season, at least since Michigan. It was interesting, uh, Chris. <laughs> Arlen Barnett was asked a question about uh, what would happen uh, on senior day, what that might mean, and what he remembers about his senior day back in 1989, and that was a 76-14 win for the Spartans over Northwestern. And I was thinking, I don't know if Harlan Barnett's team is going to score 76 points in his 10 games as head coach. Jeez. Yeah, they're they're not averaging a, a lot of points per ball game. They're giving up about 28, and Nebraska's been uh, inching closer to that 20-point number. I know they put up 31 uh, last week yeah. against Purdue. So uh, Nebraska's yeah. run game's been pretty decent. Defense is flying around the football. They're fun to watch, and special teams was was pretty big last week. With uh, They put 10 points into the pot of money, so to speak. For, for Nebraska. A few more minutes. Jack Ebling with his uh, next segment to uh, get his take on Nebraska-Michigan State. We're on the road Thursday through Saturday in East Lansing. So if you're headed that way or have some family or friends going to be at the Nebraska-Michigan State game, come see us. We are at Reno's East on Thursday from 4 to 6 or 5 to 7 Eastern Standard Time our normal show time. So we'll be on the road at Reno's East Thursday with Jack and his crew. And then Friday from the East Lansing graduate. So uh, come see us, say what's up. Saturday, we're at Spartan Stadium. More with Jack Ebling on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jack Ebling with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, host of The Drive with Spotlight Radio. The Drive with Jack, at Drive with Jack on Twitter. Jack, a couple of Big Ten topics once you take on first and foremost. As a guy that's covered the Big Ten and also uh, not far removed from that Michigan Michigan State rivalry game just a couple weeks back as this, this thing has grown, what's your reaction, what's your take on all the uh, accusations swirling towards Harbaugh and Michigan? Well, if you read the Washington Post piece, I thought they did a pretty good job of getting the details on this. And uh, when you think that there were 30 games where tickets were purchased for, quote-unquote, scouts, in-person scouting, and there was a $15,000 line item in uh, the football budget, and Connor Stallion's, I don't know if that's the the military background he had or exactly how he came into this idea. He also has a a 60-some page manifesto of how he is going to be the Michigan head coach. Uh, I don't think that uh, he's reading it correctly. But the latest on this story is that now there are pictures of him on the sideline at Spartan Stadium on the central Michigan sideline wearing Central Michigan coaches' clothes. So there's a relationship between the Michigan and Central Michigan staffs, and this was September 1st, the game before Michigan opened its season on the 2nd. There's a lot of investigation being done on this by a lot of people. And uh, I don't know what this means for Jim Harbaugh and his contract, if it's 
sources say different things. But Jim Harbaugh, you know, he didn't know anything about it. He's got this guy who's spending all this money flying all over the place, getting all this, all this information, all this intel, and he's probably just keeping it all locked up in his basement. Well, what's your feel with Harbaugh? Do you think he's long for Michigan, or do you think he's going to be jumping ship this upcoming offseason? Because he's, he's accomplished a lot of what he wants to accomplish, aside from that elusive national title. How much longer do you think he sticks around at Michigan now, considering this scandal? Good question. Uh, he tried to leave two years ago and told people that he was gone. The only problem was you can't go if you don't have an offer. The Minnesota Vikings were smart enough not to hire him got a terrific young coach in the process. And then last year, he said he wasn't going anywhere and promptly went out and interviewed. Uh, I don't have a ton of respect for Jim Harbaugh. You may be able to, to tell from my voice, but um, I've, I've seen him uh, deny uh, responsibility for everything. And I can go back through every season he's been at Michigan, even the last two, the Big Ten championship seasons, and give you a game that he has lost, not his team has lost, that he has lost with poor coaching. And I think it's hysterical that the one team that Michigan did not advance scouts over the last couple of years was TCU. Scouted Georgia five times, but they never thought they would play the Horn Frogs. And as a result, they never got to play Georgia. They didn't. They had a lot of turnovers that game and didn't have a, uh, an answer, Jack, for that TCU 3-3-5. What a go to a, a coach that's back on familiar footing, and that's Coach D'Antonio. What's he brought to the program in lieu of, of the Mel Tucker situation? Honestly, Chris, not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not in a position to really – too much, and whoever was thrown into this, uh, I don't. I don't know how you handle it. I can't think of a coach in the country who could have come in and really kept this. You know, it's kind of like the captain of the Titanic. Uh, I would think that you know he's a sounding board. He's not in on the game planning. He's there uh, as maybe an advisor, certainly not an on the field coach. So, you know, much was made of him being there and as a stabilizing force. You know, maybe there's something to that, but his teams didn't play anything like this one is. This team doesn't deserve to wear the uniform that the 2010 through 2015 Spartans did. Mm. Jack, what's your feel on, on candidates? Do you believe anything about Urban in East Lansing? Do you like that idea? Is it just flat-out Twitter takes out there, or do you have yeah. a short list on, on some, some candidates for, for next season? I, I've heard 39 different names, keeping a list, and most of them are pretty good coaches. That doesn't mean that they would be good coaches here. Uh, you've got three teams in Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, maybe not in that order, that are going to be very difficult to beat in any year. And then you have the teams coming in uh, from the westward migration. And that's not going to make winning a championship any easier. I don't think there's anything to the Urban Meyer Twitter trolling. And I don't know what the process will really be because they don't have a president here yet. And that's job one because any coach 
worth anything is going to want to know who he's working for. So the plan was to try to get a president in by Thanksgiving, and there's indications that may even be happening in the next two weeks. If that happens, that would allow them to go out and, you know, they'll, they'll pay good money here, and they have an incredible new football building, unbelievable, which is almost done. It's going to be done this summer. And they have a lot of other advantages. I mean, they have won three Big Ten championships in the last 13 years. They've had five seasons with 11 or more wins in that span. They've been in the college football playoff. Uh, They're the only Big Ten team to have beaten Urban Meyer twice. Um, They are four and five against Jim Harbaugh and 10 and six in the last 16 meetings with Michigan. So they do have some things going for them, but whoever comes in here is going to have a a big job ahead of them. And I don't think that they have a front runner at this point. I have Chris Schmidt on my list, but I don't know. uh, (laughs) I couldn't get mom and junior to come do the unofficial visit this weekend, Jack. So I'm, uh, I'm probably out. Otherwise, Hey, I I told Izzo that uh, they decided that, they didn't like him anymore. Ooh, mm. that is pretty cutting. Well, I told Junior his birthday's next week. I would get him something special that says Sparty on it. It's been 10 years in a row. He's gotten something Michigan State related, be it the uh, birthday cookie or a hoodie or something. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to have some big fun <laughs> because Thursday we're going to be doing almost side-by-side. That'll be both, fun. A little bit. Yeah, over at a place called Reno's East, just north of campus. And any Huskers who are coming in early, uh, they're a big fun. They can come over and they can see both of our shows, and they can get some great food and beverages. And that's also the scene of the uh, Harlem Barnett show right afterward. So they can stick around and, uh, you know, they can ask him uh, why Michigan State never seems to be able to beat Nebraska. Jack Ebling, The Drive, is where you hear Jack covers Michigan State, Big Ten football. And, uh, yes, Thursday, uh, Hale Varsity Roadshow at Reno's East. The Drive, also with Jack Ebling going on. And I can't wait to get to East Lansing, Jack, and see you, bud. Thanks for giving us a few minutes to talk some Nebraska-Michigan State today. Well, we got a lot of fun ahead of us. I'll see you Thursday. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Cornhead Lager helps power Hale Varsity. Uh, big thanks to them for sponsorship. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Tell a friend, download it, give us a review. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can watch the whole show as well on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Radio. Twitter feed. Good stuff from Jack Ebling. A little longer sit down with him, but now you're caught up on Michigan State, what type of tire fire they are. We are in East Lansing Thursday at Reno's East. Uh, Jack will have his show on one side of the aisle. We'll be on the other side of the aisle. Should be fun. Friday at the Graduate in East Lansing and then pregame weekend edition and postgame Real Red Reaction live from Spartan Stadium. So we are set to go and see if Nebraska can get uh, that vaunted win number six and beyond. We'll get to more of your stream comments and 
dive into some more of the comments we didn't have time for today. But thanks for all the comments and uh, being uh, as much uh, as having as much participation as you did. And 489-1240, always the phone number as well. Reminder to buckle up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, uh, I anticipate Mama turning the light off, maybe sicking the German uh, on uh, some of the would-be trick-or-treaters, at least the bark. We're seeing her pop up into the window. I don't know how much traffic we're going to get at the Schmidt house. I know it's a old Rudolph joke, Santa. So it, it may be uh, light traveled today or tonight. But from a Halloween candy standpoint, do you still just go crazy on Halloween candy, Elijah? Do you go get the sale bags tomorrow? Yes. That, that, well, I don't go get them. There's they find a, they find a way to your home with your roommates. Yes, my 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 roommate Darren. He's got a larger sweet sweet tooth than everyone, anyone, and ever, anyone and everyone. That's the best way to put it. He used to do uh, final studying back in college with a five pound bag of gummy worms, and he'd go through like a bag a day. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. He'd buy multiple bags, and it'd just be for a study. He'd just sit there and snack on gummy bear or gummy worms to give himself like the added energy boost or whatever. So mm-hmm. he's the one who always goes and finds it. And I'm going to be the one going through the bag. Nobody else likes them for some reason. I love them. Almond Joys. I love Almond Joys. They're fantastic. I don't understand why people hate on the Almond Joys. Now, the the mounds is garbage. You got to have the almond. I like the mounds, almond. too. Do you? I like okay. the mounds. I like the Almond I like, Joys. I like the almond. Uh, Walter from Philly is like, look, candy corn is putrid. It's not my favorite, but the way to go with candy corn is if you put either peanuts or cashews in with yep. them. That is crack. Because it's the salty and the sweet going. Yeah, it's it's good, and it's 4,000 calories a handful. The most overrated Halloween candy is not candy corn, which isn't even really a Halloween can I, candy. Can I just say, and sorry if they're a future sponsor, but I'm just not a Milky Way guy. I like the, I like the Milky Way minis. A whole bar they're of the Milky last, Way. They're the last pick. The Milky Way minis, especially the dark chocolate Milky Ways, Three Musketeers. Baby Ruth, Butterfinger, Kit Kat. I like the salted nut roll. You know Those what, are awesome. You know what sucks? Twix. No. Twix are not good. Peanut butter Twix. I don't think I've ever had them. See, the peanut butter Twix is good. They used to do a cookies and cream Twix. The original Twix is fine, but I'd go Kit Kat. Watch him call it is it. Kit, Kit Kats are fire. They're Love good. me some Kit Kat. Back at four tomorrow, Evan Bland and uh, Mike Babcock tomorrow. A Huda Media Production.